We begin the latest podcast with somber news to report. Last place has officially been locked in for the 2022 Kelly's Corner conglomerate season. And it will be Lou Bodine serving the punishment at his local pub. A former champion, I can relate to Lou's pain. I was on the brink again this year. But Lou, we salute you for your service. We look forward to seeing what bar you select. Evan, any comments? Uh, did Lou go first to last? Did he win last year? Wow. I think he did. I think he's the Ram- he's basically the Rams this year. Oof. Yeah, that's tough. And correct me if I'm wrong, but did you go from first to last when you won? I sure did. Yeah, so that's kind of a that's kind of a uh, a theme it seems in the league. Uh first to last. That sucks. Um that's a real like Super Bowl hangover as they say. It makes uh, you ask what is what is the price of a championship in this league? What well, is- I think like if you're if you're the LA Rams, um you're fine with the way this season has unfolded probably. Because I think a Super Bowl or a championship gives you, I don't know, three, four years of exemption, I think. That's true. And you're, you're forever a champion, but the punishment, it's not fun. It yeah, the punishment. Times. Yeah, and I, I do not think that we should ever have any exemption for a champion. I mean, maybe if we ever went into – like an actual relegation system. That's true. Maybe if you win this, like the next year, you're exempt from it. But then that would really suck because then if the eleventh person gets relegated and they didn't even come in last, it opens a big can of worms. Um, but it is it is a unfortunate unfortunate trend to have uh, these first to worst teams, and I guess um, for lose team. I, it's a it's a uh, it's a lesson in in the effect trades can have. Unfortunately, um, I think the 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 one that that honestly the one that I would say killed him didn't even because he beat me after the Mixon trade. But that one just didn't make sense really from the get go because uh, Mixon was actively concussed and he traded AJ Brown away for him. Um, and I, I guess for Lou, it's it's kind of a time for reflection. You know, it's easy it's easy to reflect when uh, when you're looking at a championship trophy, but um, from a year ago. But a difficult a difficult time for Lou, definitely. It'll be interesting to see how how his team comes out this Sunday, uh, how they perform with with the with the standing cemented. Um, it'll say a lot about about them and 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 him as a coach as well. It's true and. Lou, Lou is actually playing a meaningful game, not for him, but for the league. But we, we can get into that in a bit. But we're back with the just the latest episode of the podcast. I know it's been been a while. So I know the last thing that the audience wants to hear from, from us is excuses. But we're back, and we have an exciting episode tonight. We're going to get into the playoff picture, and then Evan has a uh, a fun little surprise at the end of the episode, which I think will stir up some controversy as well amongst a, f- a few of the members of the league but we, we can kick it off and just bear with me here i've mapped out the playoff what i believe are the playoff scenarios for this week 
I, I will actually follow up in the group me with this exact document that I'm looking at just so it's easier to see. It's a lot of numbers, but just just bear with me and let's let's see if it makes sense. So to get get through the easy part. Mike, Jake, Billy, and Chris are all locked into the playoffs. So the first four spots are confirmed, all said and done. Congrats, guys. I'm so happy for you. Yep, good win. Clean win. Good. So happy for you guys. That's awesome. Yeah. Ep- epic. Nice. So happy for you. Must be nice. Must be really, really nice. And next. Good job. Next, we have Morin. Boo. Morin, he's sitting in fifth. And what he does this Sunday impacts a lot, a lot of people. With a win. Morin is in to the playoffs with a loss. He need he needs to maintain a greater points for than six and seven teams, should at least two of them win. And the most realistic threats at six and seven are B Smith, who is four points behind Morin, and EY, who is twenty-five points behind Morin. So Morin's rooting interest for this weekend is Chris. And Jake, moving on. Evan, any thoughts actually before we move on? Um, I think if I'm Morin, I feel pretty good. I think it. Well, maybe not. Uh, B Smith is playing Chris. Hmm. I think if I'm Morin, I feel good. Like you always love to have a win and in scenario come coming down to the last game. Um, it's gut wrenching if it doesn't play out, but. Like gun to your head at the beginning of this season, if you know that's that's the scenario, you're fine, or or you you probably take that. Um, so if I'm Warren, I feel I feel good. Uh, like I said, kudos to Mike, Jake, Billy, and Chris for for a great season. To be going into the last week uh, locked in is you know a lot of the pressure is off. I guess it is still technically it is all to play for for the regular season winner. Um, because if well, maybe not. It's really between Jake and Mike um, for the regular season winner. And then in terms of buys, um, I guess I don't know. It would be if Jake loses and Billy and Chris win, then it could get interesting. But Mike, that Mike, is cool. Mike locked in for a buy is pretty awesome for him. That is uh, going into the final week locked in for for a buy, and the buy is huge because, I mean, you're you're guaranteed to have meaningful fantasy football till the end of the fantasy football season because you play the semifinal and then you play third place, which has something attached to it. Yeah, you can get your so back. At at worst, you're playing in the third place game, and you you have everything, you have the you're the rest of the fantasy season to look forward to. Um, so the buy is huge. Um, I've only, I think I've had it like once and it was, it's worth it. Definitely worth it if you could get it. Um, so I think I'm, I'm, we're ready to go to the, uh, to the six and seven teams, a ton of parity in the league also. It's really amazing. Which I attribute honestly to our benches and the way the waiver wire works personally. I know this is a hot topic. I don't know if we're going to have an end of the season pod. Um, but I do think it's it's worth a discussion for those moving forward. And and not to go off on a on a tangent, but on that note, I was thinking maybe instead of a uh, 
end of the year pod if we had just a quick recap zoom with all league members to discuss while the league is still relevant. Yes, I agree. Just topics heading into the off season and things we want to potentially change or vote on heading into the future. But we can we can figure that out later. Exactly, because I think it's difficult when you're going into the new season because you don't re- like things aren't fresh in your mind. Like, oh yeah, I don't like the way the waiver wire system works. Like, it's it's better when it's at the end of the year. I think that's a great idea, Ryan. Thank you. We can strike while the uh, while the iron is hot, per se. Beautifully said. Well, moving on to the six and seven teams. So there are there are four teams at six and seven. Let's let's paint the picture here. We got B Smith, EY, Walsh, and Evan. B Smith sits at one thousand four hundred ninety points four, and this is twenty one points ahead of EY, sixty nine points ahead of Walsh. Nice, one hundred and four points ahead of our man himself, Evan. This makes things just a little complicated heading into this final week. So let's just discuss the handful of pathways for this group of teams. If Morin wins, a six and seven team must win a six and seven team must win and maintain greater points for than the other victorious six and seven teams. But in this scenario, B Smith and EY are the really the most realistic to have a shot in this case. If Morin were to lose, this is similar. It's B. Smith and EY again, just to, to overtake Morin at 7-7. Seven and seven. B. Smith is down 4 points to Morin. EY is down 25 points, respectively. So they have a realistic chance to, to leapfrog Morin if he is to lose his game and, and they meet up at 7-7. Seven and seven. If B. Smith loses, EY is most likely in, just considering his point, points for considering or assuming that he maintains that advantage over Walsh and yourself, Evan. But if BY or if B Smith and EY lose, then Evan and Walsh can actually battle for the final spot. If both win, then obviously it'll come down to the points for in which Walsh currently leads by 14 in that category. So I know that was a lot, but Evan, any reactions or thoughts on that? It's pretty incredible the way the, like the scheduling worked out where there's not like two, six and seven teams playing each other. Like, like it, the scheduling for the final day worked out perfectly in terms of everybody has a reason to check fantasy other than Lou. And actually Lou does because he could play spoiler. So like, that's awesome. Um, And I think I obviously uh, I'm not too, too hopeful for my chances. Um, But it's, you know, I guess there's, like I said, there's a reason to check fantasy, which is good. I did not realize how far behind uh, the point differential had become. Thirteen eighty six for me is pretty putrid, um, and it, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's come at the worst time. But I think it's, you know, also I have to say, like we were saying, EY's points were fake all year, and he lost Cooper Cup and has rattled off, you know, a few wins to to close out the season. So pretty amazing. Well, actually, no. He's lost two games in a row to close out the season. But he rattled off some wins at some point to be in this position. So that's that's good for him. Yep. Uh, um, and I think that's – oh, did we talk about the five and eight teams yet? Not not yet. But this one's, this one's quick to summarize. So I'm at 15.08. Jack's at 14.93. Jack's 15 points behind me. We need the whole crop. It doesn't matter what Morin does for us. 
we need the whole crop of six and seven teams to lose. And then in that case, if Jack and I both win, then it'll come down to points for between us two. So it's, it's really a simple formula. It'll take a lot to happen, but the actual pathway itself is, is easy to grasp. You know what I think? God forbid one of you two make it. That's who wins the, the season. <laughs> it would just be written in the stars. If Jack makes the like if Jack makes the playoffs, I bet you any sum of money he wins the league. That's <laughs> that's typically how fantasy works. Like yeah. the year that Danny went on that insane run, like he won five straight games. Chris did the same. Like it's always the un- most unlikely source. I don't think we've ever had the the regular season winner win the championship. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think ever. That could be another topic to discuss as well in the offseason meetings if they're just like, I think it's the Commissioner Shield and NHL, like the best record should they be, best regular season record, should they receive some sort of compensation? But we can we can discuss that. I don't know. It's very difficult because in the NFL, the, the regular season winner gets absolutely nothing. Um, yeah. And it sure. is, it's really all about the grind of the playoffs. I mean, I think, like, even money back, I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't want to take anything away from the pot. Maybe moving the third-place game prize to the regular season winner. But, I don't know, again, a topic for the Zoom call, I think, is is, is worth it. Um, so, that's good. I mean, I would say it's a very successful season if, coming down to the last day, 11 teams are potentially in it. I think that's... Kudos to us for having uh, another successful year. Um, and let's see who's hot coming in. So Jack is hot on a three-game win streak. Uh, Mike is hot on a three-game win streak. Chris is hot. Uh, and not just because of that picture on Twitter with Tiger Woods, mm. but also because he's on a two-game win streak. Um, I am ice cold. I have lost four in a row. Walsh has lost three in a row. B. Smith has lost three in a row. So actually, so the six and seven teams are vulnerable. We actually, that's the six and seven teams are all on losing streaks right now. Everybody else is crescendoing. Wow. So drama just writes itself. It is. uh, This is this is why we do it, folks. I guess. A historic Uh, weekend upcoming. In in incredible. I think this this is the times where I wish we were all together because how insane would it be to like experience this final week oh man all physically together like at a bar or like even an apartment or something be incredible it would that that's my dream one day it would be like it'd be like be like 96 again it being it'd be like watching march madness but also playing the games yeah like that it would be incredible but maybe maybe one day one day I mean, the, the destination draft will happen at some point. It will. It will. Um, I really do believe that. But that's, you know, that hope springs eternal at the beginning of the fantasy football season um, versus the ending coming down to the last day. Oh, the passion, the emotions, it would be, it would almost be too much. Oh, I mean, I, I was, I was breaking down on Sunday watching the, the Saints-Bucks game and Jake was just, <laughs> Jake was texting me like, just like friendly trolls, like nothing that Jake was doing wrong. And I was literally like, Jake, you please stop. Like, I'm so, I'm so fragile right now. And he was like, I'm just busting balls. So it's, it's stressful, man. It's a stressful yeah, it is. I think, I think that it's, it is, it is understandable. And I think it is 
it is it's not something to be ashamed of to have this visceral and emotional of a reaction to fantasy football. Um, like we we have we draft these teams in what August. Uh, so you you're with the, this team. You invest. I mean, I know I invest a ton of time in listening to fantasy football material, reading it, um, watching it. Obviously, watching the games themselves. But this is a four or five month process. Um, it can get to be. So when you look at it like that, like think about all the things that happen over four or five months. It 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 does make sense that it runs deep, and that is why for and this is something I also I'm guessing we'll we'll talk about. But I have such an emotional connection to the players that are on my team, and I think everybody does, which is probably why we see similar team compositions every year. Mm. Like there's players that always end up on on people's teams. Yep. Um, and I can only imagine what that would be like in a dynasty setting. Wow. Because if you if you've got a guy. That's a tease. That's a tease right there. And you, you, he's on your team. Jeez, in a dynasty setting, you could end up with, like, Ryan, you could have ended up with Alvin Kamara his rookie year and held him throughout his Saints career. I mean, you're never trading him at that point. Right. Like somebody would have to pry him from your cold, dead hands. Like, it'd be like me with Saquon. Right. Or, it, like, oh, God, it would be insane. Insane. Like, it, I think if we did dynasty, you would also see – the teams probably set up very similar to like the actual like personal fandoms. Like if we're running a dynasty, like I'm not I I would have to have Saquon. I would have to have Odell. Like, right. Four years ago, you know. Um, like I'm sure Lou would like value uh, Packers players like even more so than we do now. Like true. I. Gar- I- Garrett Wilson's probably not on a team other than Jacks. So it would be uh it would be it would be interesting. It would, know, I think it would, it would be it would be very different. Or very different and very uh worth a discussion. But anyway. Um I think we're ready to head into the uh to the second part of this episode, which is something everybody's been asking for. Now officially we have them confirmed, audited, signed off on. These are the the official Real life head coach to fantasy football manager, official locked in comparisons. Incredible, and I, and I don't know where to start. I mean, Evan, this is this is your baby. This is what you've championed throughout the the course of the season, and to to see it come to light now, heading into this week, it's been something special. I know you've grinded over it, so I'm I'm this just is, excited. I'm excited to sit back, this and just is, and take in what you've put together for us. This is really a uh, a lifetime achievement, I would say. This is your Mona Lisa. Yeah, I was. I've been working on this for, geez, I don't know now, a few hours at least. <laughs> so I think uh, I think it's time to show the world and uh, and you know deal with the consequences that might come. Let's get to it. Okay, so should we? I think maybe we'll go in reverse order of the standings. Okay. So we'll start with Lou. I think this one is apt. Uh, Lou, I have set as Mike McCarthy, former former head coach of the Green Bay Packers, and obviously not just taking into consideration the emotional connection here. And I tried to avoid this as much as possible of giving who you're personally a fan of that coach. Although in some cases the comparisons were were too obvious to deny, and I think this is one of the cases where obviously Mike McCarthy has one ring 
Boruto Liu. Um, however, I would say that Ring was due to having one of the best individuals the NFL has seen, um, Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not saying this is an insult. You still have to get there, and you still have to win the ring. And, you know, plenty of guys have had great quarterbacks without, without winning a ring. However, Mike McCarthy's ring has not been replicated, and I would say it came off the back of extreme individual performance. Lou's title came off the back of Jamar Chase's 55-point outburst in, in the ultimate time to get it. Um, but a ring is a ring. And they both have one. I think it's a great comparison. And as you were talking, I was just thinking of McCarthy's move from from Green Bay to Dallas. And if there's any parallels there between Lou's move from New Jersey out to to L.A. So there's there's some ties there. I think that is. I think that's an apt, apt point. Um, Next, we have Jack. And this is another one that, you know, sometimes you got to take the layups. Jack is <laughs> Rex Ryan. Wow. So this one, like I said, sometimes you have to take the layups. Larger than life personality. Uh, you know, Jack, we thought, was a big X's and O's guy. I'm wondering if that is, is, is coming apart now. I don't think Rex Ryan was ever really known for his X's and O's. He's had success on the football field. He went to two AFC championship games. But it was really he was a he was a content guy. He was he was a he was a content machine, and I think we've seen that now. He's gone into the to the media side of things. Uh, he's flourishing, and he had a successful career as a coach. And I think Jack is is a pillar of this league, just like the Ryan brothers were a pillar and are a pillar of the NFL. And uh, and obviously the Jets connection is there. Yeah, I I love this one, Evan. You you this is this one's absolutely nailed. I mean, Rex Ryan was a star on on Hard Knocks. I think everyone would agree that Jack would be a star on Hard Knocks. I mean, football guys, natural born leaders. I mean, this is a nailed it. This is just nailed. Thank you. Okay, and now okay, so this I'm looking bad here because everybody that I've said has like a personal connection to the coach, and it, this trend will continue. For at least the next two. Uh, Ryan, I gave you Sean Payton. And again, I tried to you know keep into consideration the amount of titles everybody has won as a head coach. So Sean Payton obviously has the one, as you do. But where I, I believe the comparison rings true is not just taking the Saints out of it, who, who he coached and who you're a fan of, taking them out of it, is... Very characteristic of the Saints and Drew Brees and Sean Payton's tenure was two extremes, home versus away. And it seems, Ryan, that you also deal with these extremes in terms of fantasy, fantasy seasons. It's very feast or famine, whether you're in the Superdome or not, per se. And I think that that, was a, that has transcended into, into your, fantasy, your fantasy life, similar to how Sean Payton was you know, so... 8-0 at home, 0-8 away. And obviously for you, going first to worst and then dealing with this, uh, this season where you, f- you flirted with last place for, for a significant amount of time, I think it is, it is, uh, it is a tale of two, two extremes for you. I, I cannot disagree. Okay. For myself, 
Um, I gave myself Tom Coughlin. This easily could have been Bill Belichick, uh, but I refrained. And I think for Tom, you know, he has the two two, two Super Bowl rings, which, again, I have two KKC championships. Uh, I think in both cases they were kind of storybook, uh, storybook fan, uh, playoff runs. Uh, I believe in one of them I was, you know, I barely made the playoffs and then once I got in, I had my best weeks, which was similar to what the Giants in 2007 and 2011 did. Or, yeah, 2007 and 2011 did. Um, or 2012. I'm not, I don't remember what the, uh, I want to say 2011 for their second one. Um, and then, obviously, in, in one year, I beat Danny when he had one of the best teams ever assembled. Very similar to, to Eli and his wins over Tom Brady. Um, and, and Coughlin and, and his wins over over uh, Bill Belichick. And then this is a fun fact that I'm not sure many people will know. Um, but Tom Coughlin also used to live in Wyckoff, which... No, no way. Yeah, yeah. He lived there. Actually, Wyckoff seems to be a, a, a popular spot for giant head coaches because I think either he lived in Wyckoff or... He lived close enough to Wyckoff where he was going to the same church that my mom works at. But Joe Judge lived in Wyckoff too, and I think his kids like either were, went to St. E's school or were in the like religious education program there. Um, so it does, uh, for whatever reason, it you know maybe Wyckoff is uh, is one of the towns that they recommend um, when new coaches come in. I don't know where Dayball lives, but yeah, Tom Coughlin lived in lived in Wyckoff. And then for Tom, you know, he had these two Super Bowls, obviously great runs, but the the tail end of his career was not great. I don't even know if he ended his, his uh, career with a winning record. And unfortunately for me, since, since my second, um, since my second championship, I have been, you know, not great in, uh, in, in fantasy football. It has not been a, uh, it has not been a, a good good string of years for me. Fortunately, I do not have an owner. I am the owner of the team, so I cannot fire myself. Um, but if I was the owner and it was somebody else, I probably would have fired me by now. Um, so let's let's look for improvement moving forward. Next is Matt Walsh, and we gave Walsh or I gave Walsh Lane Kiffin. So I think Walsh as a personality is. Uh, very sarcastic he knows how to push buttons um i think he's a little unfiltered and i would say lane is the same um especially you know in some cases some of these well everybody on this list has coached in the uh in the nfl head coached in the nfl um lane is maybe more remembered right now for his college his college and and being the old miss coach um but Lane is definitely a personality, and Walsh is also a strong personality in this league, and is very he's very tech tech savvy. He does the recordings, um, he makes the memes. Lane is on Twitter; he's tweeting. Unfortunately, this has not manifested into a championship yet. But I would say, just like how Lane's career seems to be, you know, still full of promise. I wouldn't say anybody is saying that Lane Kiffin has flamed out or, you know, he's not one to watch moving forward. He's still young. 
He's still got his whole future ahead of him in football. And I would say Walsh is the same. I, I love that one. Next, we are at EY. And for EY, we have given him Chip Kelly. So where do we begin with Chip? So obviously he had his 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 uh, his experiences on the East Coast with the Eagles. And I think I might be getting these timelines crossed. I think he started at Oregon, Chip Kelly, on the West Coast. And then he came to the East Coast. And then did he go back to the West Coast, to UCLA? That is, that is correct. And if you, okay. want, if you want to go way back, I believe he was... Coach. Was he also with the 49ers at one point? Maybe for a little bit, but I know he started with either a high school or some like low-level college in New Hampshire or something like that. Something crazy. And right, well, worked his way up. I'm heading to Wikipedia right now just to make sure I get this right. But he's been, he's been a coastal guy. I don't think he spent much time in yeah. America. No, no flyover states. Only the coasts. So, yeah. So, actually, he's still the head coach at UCLA right now. So, this is working out as I planned. Um, so with UY, obviously made his mark on the East coast, went to Rutgers, born and raised here. And then he eventually went out to what is California, not the sunshine state. Mm. Just, he went to California and now he is building a, a life and career for himself, just as Chip is doing at UCLA and how he did with the 49ers, which is where he originally went to go. Now, so obviously Chip Kelly's points and his high-flying offenses have not resulted in any championships or college championships, much like EY's fake points this year have not resulted in anything. (laughs) However, we will see, you know, maybe UCLA goes back to being a powerhouse of college football. Maybe EY makes some noise in the playoffs if he makes it this year. You know, if I have to eat my words, I'll be happy to do it. I've done it before. But uh, but for right now, we have EY as Chip Kelly. Well, that is a great one. Okay. Now, who do we have here? Uh, who is next? Okay, B. Smith. So, B. Smith, I have given him Kyle Shanahan. Uh, the obvious initial comparison is they have both lost a Super Bowl. Um, so I think you, uh, B Smith lost the very first year of the KKC, uh, early on in his career, obviously early on in everybody's fantasy football career for the KKC. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is a, was a young coach when he went to the Super Bowl. Uh, he lost to the chiefs, I believe he lost that Super Bowl to the chiefs and he had a big lead, I believe. I think they were they were you know pegged to win, and in B Smith's loss in the championship, he was also pegged to win at one point. And then my defense had thirty five points. I had the Cardinals defense, and they they scored like three touchdowns against the Seahawks that week, and I ended up winning. So obviously the comparison with with Super Bowl and championship is there, but I also think Kyle Shanahan is always in it. Um, it doesn't seem like the Forty Nine ers, as long as their players are healthy, they have good offenses and they have good teams and B Smith always seems to be in it. I don't think he's ever really had a terrible year mm-hmm. and he does seem to have high scoring point totals. Like he's not a, um, 
you know, he, he doesn't rely on, on, on a points against, you know, he, he puts up points and he has uh and he has good offenses. Now I know what everybody at home is thinking. Kyle Shanahan loves to run the ball. B Smith is in the air force. This comparison doesn't work. In some cases you have to suspend your disbelief here. You know, all airplanes, they start on the ground um, and then they start flying. So, you know, Kyle Shanahan establishes the run and then he goes for chunk yardage through the air. And I think that's all I need to say. Wow. That's- okay. <laughs> Morin, <laughs> Morin's is a tough one. Um, with Morin, you're really trying to say, um, you know, not much success in fantasy football, but, you know, the fan base, the Miami fan base, the Miami guy, you know, they're just there for a good time. Yeah. You know, championship playoffs, who needs it? And so that was, that was difficult for me to find somebody that was kind of, you know, he's, he's a good coach. He, 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 he plays, he, he sometimes will make the playoffs if he has the right team, you know, he can, he could, he could, you know, win you a game that you don't expect, but you know, he's just, he's vanilla. And unfortunately for Morin, that has been his tenure in the KKC so far. I don't, mm. think, I don't think he's been to a championship. Um, I think he's had a few very good years, similar to the 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 R words, the Redskins, uh, for which this for which this coach coached. Um, he's had some good years, but then in the playoffs, eh, not not really anything of note. And that is why, unfortunately, we have had to give more Morin Jay Gruden as his <laughs> as his head coach comparison. So that because of the reasons I just said, you know. Jay was Jay was coach of the of the former formerly known as the Redskins for a number of years five years he was there which is a pretty long tenure um, sure for an NFL head coach and unfortunately that did not yield anything incredibly of note that I can remark on I think with Kirk Cousins I want to say they had some good years and they had good offenses. Which is what Morin Morin I feel has always been good for like one or two blow up games a week or a year, and that it seems to be maybe what he's staking his reputation on like crazy yeah one seventy plusers exactly like and then and that's what you remember so you're like oh Morin always ha- is like relevant in fantasy but then he's never been to a championship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, are those the real fake points? Wow. A lot of people are asking. Next on the list, we have Chris. Um, so Chris, I said, you know, he's come from college. He won a championship right away. He did well in college. P. Carroll's one of the only guys with a college football championship and a Super Bowl ring. You know, who else? Oh, wait, did I just give it away already? I said P. Carroll already. So Chris is P. Carroll, and the reasons are what I just said and will continue to elaborate on because Chris, obviously, illustrious college career. And then he comes to the KKC, and he wins a championship right away. Was, it, it, did, was he a rookie when he won? Uh, Chris? Was that his first year in the league? I think it was. It was. It was his first year. Yep. So obviously, P. Carroll was old as shit when he won the Super Bowl. Um, but he was, it was relatively early in his Seahawks tenure, um, which I believe was his second go around. 
at the NFL. I think he was in the NFL and then he left for USA. And then did he coach the Jets? But anyway, or was that Saban? Anyway, um, so obviously they both have a Super Bowl ring. They had had a great college career, and Chris uh, Chris has done both of those. Unfortunately, there were some scandals involved in these in these wins, specifically with USC, which I think has since been vacated that um, that BCS national championship. I think because that was the Reggie Bush years, and I think everything was vacated from there. And I hate to get political, but Chris has been employing some unscrupulous characters this year in the KKC. Come on out, you rapist! <laughs> wow. So Chris has pretty, pretty unapologetically gone right to the Deshaun Watson well. Mm. And unfortunately, some things are bigger than sports. And the allegations, or I'm not going to call them allegations. They're pretty pretty much confirmed. You know, things like that, you know, uh, accepting money as a college athlete, you just can't do it. You can't do it. You can't. And in both these cases, you know, I just hope everything is above board. Above board. Mm. Um, and uh, and that, that's that's the comparison. I'm floored. I'm really. I'm honestly speechless at that. I think it makes sense. It makes it makes great sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this next one, I think, should be come as no surprise to anybody. Um, we we have Billy Rose, and his head coach comparison is Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> now, Evan, why did you choose Cliff Kingsbury? Obviously, there is a visual component at play here. I think Cliff and Billy are both regarded as good-looking individuals. And unfortunately, I wonder if that element is overshadowing their success on the fantasy football field. Mm. Let me explain. Billy is extremely vocal. Um, he, he is quoted as saying, I know what's going to happen. I know football too well this year <laughs> when saying he was going to lose. I've seen it too many times. 45 minutes later, he's celebrating a win. You know, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury is, is being ridiculed and, and questioned for his X's and O's and how much does he really know football. And I think if you say, I know football, I know what's going to happen, that thing really needs to happen. Mm. Otherwise... You don't know football. Um, and I think, I, I think, you know, Billy, it has had success, you know, in terms of getting deep into playoff runs right. and, and making a statement and being a very recognizable and vocal member of this league. He's part of what makes, makes this league great. And Cliff Kingsbury has been around the block. You know, he, he had a great career uh, in college such that it translated into the NFL and he has had success. He's gone to the playoff multiple times. He's had, he's had top-ranked offenses in the NFL. He's, he's part of what makes the NFL having these personality and, and I'm trying to think of the right word, these recognizable coaches. That, that's who you want out there on the sidelines. And just like Cliff is, is crucial to football and to the NFL, 
I also believe Billy is to this league. Hmm. I just, I'm just really enjoying how thought out these are. I mean, that was, that was great. Thank you. Um, and obviously, if you have any other suggestions that you'd like to throw out there, um, that would be, uh, that would be, you know, accepted. I was going to for Billy, um, potentially give him Sean McVay, mm. but he doesn't have a championship yet. So I would have loved to, believe me. I hated doing that. I hated having to do that, but it is what it is. I just can't wait to see Billy's just the first group me messages flash across my phone. <laughs> Pat, Pat McAfee's pipe breakers. <laughs> Fill in the blank. I'm just, I just don't know what the blanks are going to be, but I, I'm excited for it. Probably emojis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Now, Jake Stockel. We gave him Mike McDaniel. So, um, Jake has been with the, the league and a, a manager for since its inception. So, he's not a new, a new coach. But he does have a new age philosophy on fantasy football, mm-hmm. which is no moves. So, you know, what you draft is what you get. And at the end of the year, either you win a championship or you have no players left. But that is it. This year, it has worked out better than we've probably ever seen it work out for Jake. And honestly, if I don't make the playoffs, I hope it's Jake at the end of the year. Because what a story that will be. Zero roster moves. It's truly incredible. I mean, I think there's – obviously, there's so many leagues – that happen or that take place. I'm sure there's leagues that start and then nobody checks anything. And obviously somebody wins, but in terms of leagues where they are active and there are trades and there's waivers and it's a, it's an active league. I honestly can't imagine how many other zero roster move champions there have ever been in history. That because think, and also Jake's team composition is insane. He's had two defenses, two kickers, three tight ends, a backup quarterback. So that means, what does that leave him? Like two, two bench positions for backups? And he's had Cam Akers on his team the entire year. I mean, it's incredible, it's incredible what Jake has done. It's just to, just to take a step back, for him to have no moves, not only finish first, which granted in a year of fantasy football – you can you can get yourself to the first place in the league, but to have the the highest points for with no moves, just to look back at the season and just through through injuries and things that happen, I just it just blows my mind. It's truly amazing. It's probably it's like it might be the greatest feat that this league has seen. I'll I will say that if it happens, yes, and I would say it's almost. Like it's it's on par with like a perfect game in baseball. Yes, but, but maybe but maybe even more so. Because fantasy football is so based on roster moves and waiver wire and restructuring your team with trades or or making trades in general. So to go and it's so and even Jake has said this recently. It's so luck based that um, that to go the entire season without having an injury that affects you or without having a serious downturn. Jake has been very consistent this year. It's not like he's had like huge wins and huge losses. Like his team is consistently just scoring points. Um, So it's, it's truly incredible. And 
so we went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but I think it's warranted given the, the enormity of the situation, what, what we might be seeing happening in front of us. But Mike McDaniel, by all accounts, has a completely new approach to head coaching. Mm-hmm. He's inc- obviously, he's a genius. He, I think he went to Yale. Incredibly, incredibly smart. But his whole approach is, is not thinking that he's anything above the players and not a he's, – he's, he's a, a player's coach – to a level we have not seen, but in a way that's not pandering to the players or, um, or being like soft or placating. It's in a way that's actually like mutually beneficial to both where he's getting such a level out of his players that it's, he doesn't need anybody else. You know, he, he's getting the absolute most out of every single player on his roster. And who is doing that better right now than Jake Stockwell? Mm. I mean, that's just well said. And I think that 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 is that is, you know, the the evidence for for that comparison. And last but not least, we end with Michael Howe and what defines grit, what defines consistency, what defines one Super Bowl win, Jeff Fisher. The GOAT. So Jeff Fisher was basically you knew every year that he would be right there. He's not going to go 2-14. and 14. He's not going to go 13-3. and three. I mean, he might have had both of those records at some point in his coaching career, but it was not, um, it was not you know, the norm. And so for Jeff, he did win a Super Bowl. I don't know what team he won it with. The uh, Titans. He did. Okay, great. Um, so that, that works out well in terms of the one-to-one championship to championship. And for Mike, he's an X's and O's guy. He's, he's a, he's the kind of guy that I could see him eating the grass. Was it Jeff Fisher that ate the grass? Who was that? Wait, hold on. Hold on. I don't know. No, that was Les Miles. Which would also be a good one for Mike, but unfortunately, I don't think he really had a illustrious NFL career. Well, he got Probably the tight, he got the Titans to a Super Bowl, but he didn't win. Fisher, I think. Let me see. If so, this whole thing falls apart. It says he has Bowl. he has a ring, but I don't know if uh, it was a coach. I think it was not as a head coach. I don't care. I'm I say we proceed as if he has a ring. Yeah, I think a ring is a ring. A ring is you a know, ring. It's there. And just like just like Jeff Fisher, who was such an, a stable, even-keeled coach in terms of record, and had and was, was a coach for a long time, I think that – and sustained success. And that is the same as Mike, where they both have a ring – the circumstances could be different, but that is not relevant to this argument. But Mike is pretty much in the playoffs every year. He always has a good team, and he's never really had a terrible season. And Mike is also a get-your-guys guy, and I feel like Jeff Fisher was also a get-your-guys guy. I agree. And just just a quintessential 
football guy. Yeah, he was. When you think football, you think of Jeff Fisher on the sideline with those sunglasses, like a tiger prowling. And, and when I think, and when I think of football, I also think of Mike. Yep, agreed. And someone that that win or lose, Mike truly loves a game. He's always in the group. Me, whether his team is is up or down, common thing on all the games. I could take a page out of Mike's book and his love for the game. Okay. And then in the interest of transparency, Jeff Fisher finished 13 and three, three times. Okay. So that's great. Evan, that was just an incredible, incredible piece of work. Thank you. And on behalf of the league, we are very appreciative of your efforts on that. Thank you, Ryan. I think the uh, the the analysis you did on the on the playoff scenarios was was great. I think that's going to be a great great thing for the rest of the league to read because I know how starved for content they are. So there's there's plenty of plenty of meat on those bones. Yep. Um, yep. You know, and this is something offline that Chris can can read while he's on the plane or Billy while he's commuting. So it's something that's you know uh, uh, relevant and available. And in all formats, so I'm 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 just happy for them. You know, what we do, we do for the league. We do it for the league. And with that, we will say goodbye and wish you all good luck this weekend. And here's to a here's to a great final week of the regular season in the KKC. Good night.